This is a show about facing fear, unlocking courage, and taking action. Courage isn't necessarily a daunting thing. It's going to give you more purpose. It's going to give you more drive. It feels like making a courageous decision is going to get you closer to who you aspire to be. It's knowledge plus faith plus action equals courage. I lost everything, Ryan, in my early 30s. So I didn't have $20. I couldn't use an ATM. And there are those moments, you know, you remember those moments. So I was sitting at my kitchen table and I said, oh my God, you're going to have to start all over again. Like, this is it. You're going to have to start all over. We don't tell clients what to say. We teach them how to think, right? And, and again, when the we, when you say the we, and you've been doing this for a while, the we is now a sister act. And, and one of those sisters is, is joining me today, founder, president of Griffin Media. Am I getting all this right? Griffin, it's, it's Griffin Marketing and Public Relations is the name of the business. And it's really had two different functions, Griffin Broadcasting PR and Griffin Media Communication and Public Speaking Training. So yes, you've got it. Griffin is an easy way for you to maneuver it if you want. All right. Well, what I love most, and again, you and I, we go back now, we probably met 12 years ago, a little coffee shop in New York. Is that about right? I was looking back because it was in San Diego originally where I started working with your team when we did an in-store appearance with Carolina Herrera. And then you guys all came to New York and I don't know how much longer after that we all had lunch. I just remember like 12. I remember popping in and my partner at the time being like, she is something and she's working with everyone, but she can't tell you who she's working with. That's how good she is. But I mean, you know, I've done a little sneaking around here. We've had a few conversations and so I'll, you let me know if I'm breaking, if I'm saying names, I should, but I mean, Gaga, Rihanna, Beckham. By the way, you know you're good when you can just say one name, Gaga, Rihanna, and Beckham, and the entire universe knows who we're talking about here. You also did the New York Fashion Week for 25 years. I think that's 50 seasons, right? So, so it's uh, yeah, but it's pretty awesome. And and, and ha have you enjoyed the the rocket ship? Or have you enjoyed the ride? Every single second, as hard as it's been. So let's talk about the names you just mentioned. So who is it? Gaga, Rihanna, Beckham. Beckham. Yeah. Okay. So here's the way I work. Since there are two parts of our business, broadcast PR and media training, they fall under the broadcast PR side because everybody sees me. You see me with them. There's a room full. There's producers and camera people and all kinds of and publicists. So I'm seen in that way. But then on the media training side, zip absolute zip we don't talk and for many reasons well give us a couple i know a few of them but you know why can't you talk about those things it's the right thing to do it's very simple it's just the right thing to do there's the other things are everybody else talks i don't do what everybody else does i don't talk i well i say everyone everyone is perceived to kind of reveal who they're working with we're at a time where talent everything is known about talent Talent is entitled to some confidentiality. I'm known for my discretion and they're entitled to that. The work is intimate that we do and they're entitled to that confidentiality. I don't need anyone else's name to leverage mine. My name is fine. Would it be much easier for my business if I put this on a billboard? Yeah, it would be much easier. But I'm not going to do that. No. So that's why, and my our referrals, it's an entirely referral business for 28 years. And it's one person at that caliber is referring us to another friend at that caliber. So that's magic. You don't mess with that magic. When in your life, or have you always had this? Because, you know, I think coming out of advertising, you're shooting with celebrities. And I've always been of the mindset, even when I was in my 20s, that's like celebrities are people too, right? They're just like you and me. But it's easy to say that there have been times I have been starstruck and I'm like, holy, this is happening. This is cool. I remember a moment with Jessica Simpson and being like, okay, I get it. That This is the definition of starstruck. Do you feel like 
out of the gate for you? You've always had this, they're people too, or was there a moment the more you did it, you're like, oh, wow, it's sort of an ah thing. I've been around celebrity for 40 years for my entire career. And no, especially, so let's break it up again. On the celebrity side, in the Griffin broadcast side, yes, I got to work with lots of talent, but I was actually, I had a role in that. They're not looking for somebody to be a fan in that moment. And as part of all that work I did, I worked Teen Choice, Kid Choice, Billboard Award, SAG, People's Choice, Billboard Awards. I mean, there's like, I don't even know if I repeated some, every award show. So it got to a point that it was very ordinary. There were more celebrities than there were non-celebrities. So that was never, that was never an issue for me. On the media training side, the last thing talent would ever need is a fan in that moment. They're coming to you for a very specific reason. They need work in a certain area. They need to be extremely vulnerable and mm, there's no no space for fandom. And we don't only work with celebrity. That's the important thing. We work with CEOs and founders and scientists, authors, producers. We work with rock stars, pop stars, movie stars, but we also work with parents of children that have been killed in school shootings. We work with people in sustainability or in cannabis or lots of creatives. We work with people in the art field, designers. We work with politicians. So when it comes to on the media training side, today, everybody needs to communicate. Everyone needs to communicate. So it's not limited to that camp, although boy, it's a fun camp, but it's it's very wide and that's what we're committed to. So it's, no, I don't have any, was there anybody that I really kind of, sometimes, mm, no, and some people have been really, really big. I'm too in my own head. There have been times that Bunk has said to me afterwards, she's like, did you see this or this was going on? That's my sister, Bunky. And I'd say, no, I mean, I'm rolling in with like one mission. The amount of time that I spend preparing before I work with anybody is nothing short of monumental. I've been asked if I'm an attorney. I mean, I have like, ev I, there's no stone unturned. So when I walk in, I'm not distracted by any degree of fabulosity of anything, nothing. I have one mission and I have to establish trust very quickly with someone. And I have zero distractions and we do it in all kinds of unusual places. So I just need to be very focused and be doing the work that I need to do in that space. So no. Where do you think you learned that, that preparation? Like, do you think it's just because you've been in it for so long or was there a mentor that took you under your wing? So if we go back to growing up, second in line to the throne of four girls, I grew up in Scarsdale, New York. Dad was an engineer. Mom was he was a civil engineer, but he went corporate and my mother worked once the kids got older, but mom was, had insatiable curiosity, insatiable wanderlust. And she was like a go, go, go. And I really, Ryan, I knew when I was eight years old that I'd work for a magazine. I mean, I had one vision. It was like, how fast can I get there? That was just kind of like, let's go. So if you th now it's ironic because I would, you know, ride to the village in Scarsdale and load my bicycle with, you know, all kinds of magazines. And today they're all clients. The editor in chief is a client. The models are a client. The designers are clients, photographers, hair, makeup, everybody. So I really had that idea. So I was already studying. I feel like I've been studying my whole life, but not necessarily in school. That's kind of the the area that's a little bit different. So I was somebody who received character awards in school. I was somebody who was responsible, somebody who was trusted. And I went to an all girls Catholic high school, loved it. They saw early on, I wasn't somebody who followed the ordinary way to go about things. And I started doing things differently. It's like the none who ran all of the guidance said, Hey, you know, I really need you to come and work for me. Come work for me. Like you don't have to go to homeroom. Okay. 
And then suddenly it was me crafting the classes that I wanted to take. I wasn't the math science. I wasn't my father's daughter in that way. I was looking at other things and things started happening. I mean, I talk a lot to students about energy and I got a call in my senior year to go to the principal's office and they wanted to, she wanted to talk to me. And she said, we just got a call from Neiman Marcus down the street. No, it was Bergdorf Goodman at the time. We just got a call from Bergdorf's. They're doing a fashion show for 17 magazine. They're short one model. Can you go down, leave school, go down, leave class to go and model in a, in a fashion show. So I was already on my own trajectory, but that was the whole thing is I just wanted to get to work fast. I had worked in Bloomingdale's. I had waitress. I had, oh my gosh, babysat. I had done like all these things and I just wanted to get to work. So in terms of studying where I, not, you wanted a surprise. Not many people know this. I, before, I went to secretarial school after high school. So here I was, it was a good student, not the best, but good. And everyone's going off to a four-row rah-rah school. And my mother said, you want to learn how to type? Go to secretarial school for a year. You want to get to work fast? Work, go, learn how to type. Now, could have taken a typing class at night, but it was, it was a long time ago. This was in the 80s. It was like, go and do. So I went, and my mother, always a forward-thinking person, years later, when I spoke at Stanford, in addition to speaking at Stanford, I was invited to be part of their future of work conference and attend that. And that's where I was basically seeing that it's about skills. So this is a long answer to a short question, but it will get you caught up to who I am. And so what ended up happening is I knew that I, four years college with liberal arts was not going to get me where I wanted fast enough. So I went and did that master typing. I'm good. I can do shorthand even today. But what ended up happening then is my sister Bunk was at a college fair and my mother found a school for me. She said, look, there's a school for the business of fashion. This is perfect for you. I applied Laboratory Institute of Merchandising, now called LIM College. I applied and got in. I wanted to know, could I do an internship? In my freshman year, first semester, I did an internship. And they said, can you type? And I said, yeah, I can type really well. There was a typing test, got the internship, took it from Thanksgiving to Christmas, and they offered me a job in my freshman year of college. And I said, just let me finish out this semester. So I have two associate's degrees, which I guess if you put them two together, it's two years of school, 10 minutes of school. It's kind of like a bachelor's. And I was working by 19. So when you're asking about preparation, did I have a mentor? No, I think about that a lot. Maybe I have mom. never once. Maybe mom. Well, mom is always a mentor. Mom's still a mentor. But it was there someone that I was always saying, okay, where do I go now? What do I want to do now? I was always extremely independent and I really cherished freedom. I always wanted to do things my own way. And so, no, I haven't had mentors. I've really had to listen to myself. I'm very intuitive and I follow my heart and All right. so, for good or for bad, sometimes for bad, but for the most part, pretty good. So Bunk, your sister. First yeah. of all, the obvious question is, what's her nickname for you? What does she call you? <laughs> oh, well, my family calls me Re. I was Riri before Rihanna, but not spelled the same way. I was always Riri, yes, because I had an Aunt Marie. I, there was, she was Big Marie. So I was, I mean, it was like Little Marie, but I was Riri. You're Riri. Okay, I'll call you Re. No, I'll call you Marie. Re. A, you can call me, you can call I, me Re. You can call I, me whatever you want. I feel like you're re. I feel like we're there, right? You're my yeah. you're re. But I, I by the way, I really love the the mom go and do. Like it's a great T-shirt, by the way. Go go and do be go do be like yeah. all the time. Go do be and dad not so much. Dad was a little so there was a like a <laughs> it was like you were always driving stick shift in that house. Mom was always just you could not go further fastest like just go go go. And she fought dad for that a lot. Dad was a little, a lot safer. Dad's work was in security at different parts of his career. So dad was more like- The irony, security. He knew, <laughs> he knew too much of what was not good in the world. And she 
still only sees the good. She's 91 years old and all she wants to do is work. So she calls her home, the West Coast office, and she lives west of here. And she'll call in the morning after she's read the New York Post reporting in from the West Coast office. So, yeah, she's a lot of fun. So no straight up mentors, but I've been I've been working on my own since I'm in my 20s. There was almost like no time for me to develop a mentor. Yeah, it's good. It's more like go, 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 doobie, right? <laughs> totally. Right. So when you think back on the, the you know, scariest movie ever made, is there one that pops to mind? Oh, my God. There. I mean, like there are endless ones. How about starting a broadcast PR firm when you've never worked in PR and you've never worked in broadcast? How's that? You know, I mean, I think that that's a pretty good one. Well, give me more on that. Like, why Why did someone say, I need your help? Or, yeah, I can figure it out. Where Where did that come from? Well, you also asked me about the preparing. So after 17, so I got a job as an editor at 17, went on a 48 city. I want to say 48 city, but it was a 48 trip tour. I was requested back at many different locations. So it came out to 48 trips. In the end, I've been to every state but the Dakotas and Wyoming. I think I at least need to get Wyoming in there. I traveled a lot. I made $12,000 a year. That was a long time ago. And even then, it was not much money. And then a friend recommended me to work for a company named Promosteel, which is a think tank, the first Parisian trend forecasting company. So in that role, I was the director of the U.S. And by that time, I was 23 and I consulted with the beginning to start consulting with the world's most valuable brands really early on. Promosteel had incredible clients. I had to go get them and I had to service them. And then I worked for a business called Popeye, which documented pop culture on video for Fortune 500 corporations. And that's when I started adding Coke and Pepsi and Sony and Warner Brothers and all kinds of like big, big, big corporations so that they could understand what 18 to 34 year olds were doing. So I had already then, so I had worked in those three companies and then two areas, if you want to say, and there was a moment that I came back to New York. I was living in LA. So I'd been in New York and in the city. And then I lived in LA and came back and I'd gotten myself into a situation that I can't say too much about because I honorably said that I wouldn't a while ago. I lost everything, Ryan, in my early thirties. When I say everything, I am very trusted and I trust other people. And sometimes I trust people that I shouldn't necessarily trust. I got involved in something that was hard to get out of because I had put a lot in of work and otherwise, and then it was really hard to walk away. So when I say that when I came back to New York, I tried to keep something, this business that I got involved in alive for a while, but then I couldn't keep it alive anymore. And there are those moments, you know, you remember those moments. I was sitting at my kitchen table and I said, oh my God, you're going to have to start all over again. Like, this is it. You're going to have to start all over. So I didn't have $20. I couldn't use an ATM. I had sold my clothes, sold my car, sold my furniture. I had contact lenses and cavities. That's it. Nothing, zero. And nobody knew. Just my family and close friends. So I knew I had to start over. And people heard that I was back. And I was recommended for a job a very, very senior position. I went for eight interviews. Every single time I went for an interview, I said, this is not the job for me. I felt completely closed in. I'd worked with many companies. I have to remember when we go back to 17, I was on billboards. I would walk in and MC events with 3000 people. I was traveling with cover girls. I did TV, radio, print interviews. Then I went and worked for a company in Paris and I was going to Paris several times a year. And London. And I mean, I had like a big life. I lived in LA one week a month. And all of a sudden I had like that moment of reckoning, like it's all over and you've got to start over. So I interviewed for that job. Every time I go to the interview, I'd have to take the escalator up. And I used to look at all the names of the companies in the on the elevator right up and say, there's no way I could just sit on the eighth floor all day. 
I'd be like on the fourth floor. Can we check <laughs> into the third floor? What's happening over here? I mean, I was bored. I couldn't. I just thought, no, it's not for me. And I called my parents on a payphone, and I said, payphone, did you like that? Mm -hmm. And I said, I didn't take the job. I am going to start my own firm. And I, in that other situation, I had a lawsuit. I wrote my own deposition. I won. I won because, you know, attorneys, when they have somebody, a single person, single meaning like an isolated individual like me, not so much attention was paid towards that. And I wanted to win. And I was determined because somebody had really done something wrong. And when they were approached, they said, Marie comes from a really nice family. She would never do anything. I decided to do it that day. So there I went and I started from scratch. Now, why did I do broadcast PR? I had been on television. I understood how producers worked. I was a master at researching myself. I love television. Also, when your world falls apart, the TV's on. TV's on. The TV's on late at night. And I'd be looking at that TV and I'd say, I started becoming obsessed with the credits. Like what's happening here? What's, who is this? What's going on over here? And this is really like a while ago. And I said, I could do that. I'm going to put people on TV. And a man who was a promo deal client, because that's the whole idea is you have relationships. He heard it was back just randomly. And he said, will you come and come to meet with me? I want to talk to you about doing something. And he owned something called Namsby. And that was a menswear trade show, which at the time was, a, you know, polyester pants with elastic waists for men. It was a disaster. And so we said, how about hip hop? Let's go to Vibe. And the Vibe style was created. And it was music, sports and fashion under one roof. And I said, I'll get you TV. Well, I called TV. This is before, keep in mind, all these things. This is when you weren't able to, I didn't have the internet for this information. This was all just be resourceful, pick up the phone, make things happen, you know, facts from wherever I was in like the Javits Center and develop relationships. And suddenly the TV crews were like filing out the door. They just were coming in droves because this was new. And here I was when you said like any kind of like the risk while well, I'm starting businesses, traveling everywhere on, on no money, I'll take a job and work for a company that's based in Paris and run the U.S. Like everything I did was bold in some way. And then here it is. You want to do hip hop? I'll come and I'll come and I'll get all kinds of TV for you. And then I got tons of TV. So and then somebody saw me there and said, I've watched you run the length and width of Javits for four days. Something called Fashion Week is going and happen. Come join us. And I was like, I'm in. And then I developed all those relationships and then ended up doing all the TV for up to 19 designers a season, which when I tell you, so look at it, seven days, each show, you're backstage three hours before the show starts. Show is always late. So that's another hour. That's four. And then there's interviews for an hour or two afterwards. So it could have been a 15 hour day with three shows working with hundred crews a day. So I don't know when you say like, you know, name the scariest thing. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I could have left and gotten lunch and come back. And uh, by the way, there's not a beat that wasn't interesting in what you said. Oh, that's good. I'm running too long, but I need to connect the dots for you so that. It no, this makes is. Sense. Well, here's where I where I landed, because I mean, first of all, I want to honor the thing that we won't talk about. Right. And and whatever happened and just say, look, I do have a question. I just don't want you to answer it yet. What, what part of you now looks at that moment? Because I've had moments in my life where I'm like, wow, that was the worst day of my life. And now I'm like, that was the best day of my life. Because if that didn't happen, oh, yeah. just, I'm, I'm talking for me. I'm just, I'm talking for me. That doesn't happen. I don't become an entrepreneur. I don't end up launching Courageous. I don't move to the West Coast. I don't meet my wife or my kid. Like I'm so grateful for some of the worst days. I call them negative blessings. Now, this is a story of like curiosity, courage, and I think courage is in the gut a little bit. When like if you would have taken that job, which you couldn't, you couldn't like. There's no way you were built to take that job. No, I think it's a story in confidence, obviously. But the fourth thing 
that's really sort of special is culture and understanding culture and understanding now let's go into this let's not do this if it's going to be marketable or viable if the cameras are going to care another see cameras and crews the culture piece has to get figured out is that like your superpower or is it all of the above you could say all of the above take it all it's it's kind of all of the above but i think it always goes back to trust i'm trusted people trust me there's trust when somebody at a newsroom says marie griffin's name is attached i'll send a camera crew because time is money for them that's three bodies at the time they used to send somebody with light sound camera producer so those were four people that's when there was a lot of money and then eventually it was just like one producer coming out with all of her own stuff on wheels i mean it was totally different so that's trust. So the superpower, I think, is that I deliver. I just, no matter what it is, whether I have to do the research for it, whether if I tell you I'm going to be able to deliver this talent and this is what you're going to be able to get and I can help you oversee it, I will, I don't flake. So I think that would, I'm responsible. If I won character awards, I won the character award in high school, I won it in college, in high school, and in eighth grade. And it's because I'm responsible. I'm trusted. I do what I'm going to say I'm going to do. I follow through. And so when people show up, it's a guarantee that it's going to be okay. That's the same thing because this is a referral business, the media training side. So when I'm referred to somebody, whoever's referring me trusts this is somebody valuable to them. It's usually a VC or somebody at an agency or a former client that's, or somebody in that former client's world, publicist, agent, manager, whatever. There's just trust. So I would say that the superpower is I unfailingly, if that's a word, deliver. I just deliver. How's this? This way up or higher? Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. Up here. You good? Up here. Oh, yeah. Okay. Totally. I just want to make sure it's so easy to just kind of come down and I get close to it because I'm super nearsighted, but I took off my glasses for you. Oh. So, so those so, are the things. I mean, yeah, there's another, there's another C, right? Consistency, right? It's just like, right. To me, just being consistent and delivering and it's sort of ironic that we're having this chat. I, I have my little weekly dose of courage that goes out every Thursday. It's just a small little nudge that ends up in people's inboxes just as a reminder that it's stay stay on it stay courageous right and this week's happens to be the last greatest currency and the last great currency the last great currency and the last great currency is trust and to me brand is trust and i think for a while people have been trying to water down or take advantage of brand or and like that's not the way we operate like brand is consistency over time Marie, you are consistency over time this your brand is delivery you're going to deliver always with without fail and i'll be a mama bear and i will stay on you and i will check and i'll make sure and so when i say that we don't tell people what to say we teach them how to think there's so many misconceptions about the words media training first of all are they the least sexy words in the world I mean, they're just kind of like, it just is like a big yawn. I've tried to change the name of it because the first thing people say to us is, this is so much more than media training. And it's because I have a huge history of working with brands. And so I have marketing experience, PR experience, branding experience. I've been on camera. I'm a public speaker, all these things. And keep in mind, we're not only preparing people for television, it's for all hands to go and raise money to go and sell a business, to sell a family business to a huge conglomerate and keep that essence going. It could be, oh my gosh, in, internal. We're called in when HR can't get two departments to behave. There's no communication. And we go in because zip. We don't tell HR what happened. HR doesn't ask us what happened. They just say, come in and create magic and get these people talking get it all better. And that's what we, and that's what we're able to do. And bunk comes from, she was design director at Ralph Lauren before she joined me. 
print design director. So we get that additional added layer. So there's that part about what we do, but then there's a second part. And that is we create congruence. So we go in and figure out what makes sense. What's the thread that's going through? Again, always to create trust. We create congruence within the individual, congruence within the brand, and then we bring the brand and the person together for the ultimate creating trust. So when you're wondering, like, kind of, you asked me what, like, dream clients. Yeah, it's really fun when we get, like, a major star. But when we're called into a business and we work with the CEO and then we find the holes, there's a lot of switch cheese. We pop the hood before we shine up the car. People think media training is mechanical. Look this way, speak this way, talk this way, answer this way. It's not that at all. I want to go inside. It's an inside job. That's why it's always done one-on-one. It's never, if somebody says, I group trained 4,000 people, no one got, no one, no one left with, in my opinion, in my experience, you cannot leave with anything of value when it's that big a group, because I need to see who you are on the inside. What part of this job do you hate? CEOs can't go down the hall and say to HR, I've really got some issues about X, but they can come to us. We're trusted confidants. We don't say a word to anybody about anything, but then we work around that. So when they do go and speak wherever they're speaking, we help them with that. We know kind of where the soft spots are. So we're always creating trust. That's ultimately that one line that runs through my life, through the life of Griffin, through what we do with clients. And that's like first and foremost, because once there's trust, then they make money. When there's no trust, they don't make money. So let's talk a little bit about What's your catnip? Oh my gosh, catnip. Oh, that's so right, much fun. Let's talk about I catnip. A longtime friend is Mark Leibowitz, a really well-known photographer in the fashion world, and now has graduated to be just this incredible director. And we had breakfast one morning, and I don't live in the city. I live in Westchester. For Mark, I'll go anywhere. It's early in the morning, in the city, breakfast. And he just looks at me and said, you should speak at Stanford. I said, really? Okay. What do you want me to speak about, Mark? He said, well, you should speak at Stanford. And I said, okay, I'll go. And I think someday, I thought it was a someday conversation. He (laughs) texted somebody at Stanford and said, you expect a call. I'm connecting you with Marie Griffin. And I said, okay. So spoke to Stanford. And then I came back from breakfast and turned to Bunk and said, oh my gosh, I'm going to speak at Stanford. We need to create a talk. And because you can't just, who wants, what student wants to hear you talk about your own career? Nobody, that was my experience. I've already done it. I want to talk to them. So what we did is we created catnip. So you think about catnip, think about a cat and catnip. So catnip is, it makes you magnetic. Catnip, your catnip is your unique strengths and qualities that make you stand out. It's always quick. It's always memorable. And it's always unmistakable. So when Bunk and I like marry it with the work that we do, how often do we show up, especially if it's a brand, it could be, I was going to say a fashion brand, it could be a beauty brand, it could be any kind of a brand, and somebody pulls out a 60-page deck of what their business is. They have paid somebody a small fortune to come up with this massive deck that basically says nothing. Because that's not how a consumer, one consumer shares with another consumer. Why should I buy X is one word, two words, three words, max. So this whole idea, I respect people in the storytelling business. And yes, there's things around stories. But Bunk and I are either going in and finding where the story doesn't make sense within the entire organization and the players. Or we're taking that story from the 60 pages To six words, to three words, it could be one word. It has to be tight. Why are we doing this with students? Because we know from brands, we know from working with so many individuals that they need help in this area. So whether they're going for interviews, whether they're going for for internships, wherever they're going, they need to begin this process of identifying, cultivating, and being able to articulate those unique strengths and qualities that make them stand out. So what's the first part of that thinking? You have to go inside. You have to go inside. So the talk that we put together 
is completely interactive. So I take students through four different exercises where they start to think about like, oh, wait a minute. Yes. And you see like light bulbs, light bulbs, like going off and going off and going off. Because kids will always tell me, students say, I go to school and I get on a track. They put me on a track. I stay on the track. What's the next step on the track? And they're always learning about something or someone else. And I turn it all around and make it a hundred percent about you. So what do you bring? If you're sitting in the, like when I went to 17, that's a time where there could be 40 kids, 40 other women, young women in the waiting room applying for the same job that I want. Why me? Why Marie Griffin? Why is she the one that's going to get that job? So that's what we wanted to do. And then some students at Stanford told students at Harvard, and then I was honored to speak at Harvard Collegiate Women in Business, which was thousand students. It was amazing. And then Bunk and I just kept going. We went all through COVID. We've done a lot in person, but we went up to 60 colleges and universities during COVID that we were able to Zoom all over the world for students who just, it was, it was really pretty amazing all over. And at Stanford, you could win an opportunity under your chair for one-on-one time with me. And we knew we had a home, hit a home run with this because starting at six o'clock in the morning, students were waiting at my hotel. They weren't, I wasn't even scheduled to be with anybody until after breakfast at, at the university and they were ready. And then I was, students asked, can I ride in the car with you to the airport? I mean, it just kept going. And then we went, it even works for clients should know their catnip. Brands should know their catnip. Oh, it, it, it's this is why you and I get along so well. I think it, to me, this is our business too. It's we say we're special forces that helps you figure out your special. And what's your special to me is what's your catnip. And by the way, this is not a. I mean, I love. It's, it's funny we're kind of full circle on. Hey, who was your mentor? Because I bet you a lot of these students now look up to you. All it takes is one person to like slow down, put your business, your life on timeout, right? And I I always say, you know, we spend all this time scrolling social media and not enough time scrolling ourselves and trying to figure out this isn't just a student problem. This is the CEO's problem. This is a leader's problem. This is someone on their path's problem. And we haven't spent any time trying to figure out why we're wired the way that we are. It's why I love what you're doing on this thing. Okay. 60 schools. Oh, yeah. 60 schools. So it's fun. So I, getting back to your courage, it's very interesting. Some students, some or even even individuals, because I'll even ask people like you, some people get it right away. Some people have to call a friend. Some people have to like completely freeze. And there are some students and entrepreneurs, especially, they know right away. They're like, boom. Others, I'm concerned. What I'm seeing also is that, yes, they're entrepreneurs, but corporations now are also working like entrepreneurial businesses now. And they're looking for team members. It's like they're casting for a team, a sports team. What role are you going to play? What position are you going to play? And so we really enforce that with them of you need to be able to show up and say what you're good at. And when I've asked them to say it more publicly, that's where a lot of kids get afraid. I'm showing off. You're not showing off. No, you're saying the truth. If there is something that you really like, that you really want, why do you think so many things were magnetically drawn to me? I knew that I wanted to go and work at a magazine. And so, but I don't know if the principal downstairs knew in high school to call me and say, Hey, would you like to go and model in a fashion show at 17? I didn't think that was going to happen, but again, this magnetism and then how I ended up finding that school when I was with bunk at a school fair for her, how then another friend at 17 said, I'm going to London. I told Paris about you. Can you go to a meeting? I think you'd be great in the U.S. for this company. So we talk a lot about energy with kids. We talk about, I take them through their own bios. What were the things in your life that you were already starting to pick out? And I'll have them read. If you read like the first few lines of a, of a New York Times article, they always give you a bio, a, a, a snapshot from somebody's bio. 
that lets you like giving you an idea of like where they grew up or how they grew up or some circumstance that gives you like a snapshot about somebody. So we start to set that, like, what is it about you that's going to pop up and what it is about your energy and what energy are you putting out? And then we put all of these qualities together and we show them about like putting it all in a funnel. If you've all studied the same major, if you've all done internships, if you've all done all these things, like, you know, bring it down and tighter. There's another, so that's the last C. Well, this is the last C of the show. I will call it context, right? Because maybe that's where, well, first of all, the, the one A and the one B, we're talking about confidence still. Like, don't be afraid to, to own that thing you're really good at because that is what makes you special and it is what makes you different. And then context, hello, there's 700 people trying to get this job. That's not to scare you in any way, shape or form. It's you have to stand out and you have to stick up for what you stand out for and let the world know this is why you're the best at X, Y, or Z or that you're willing to be the best at something. So yes, but the context we've had, you know, there was one student at Parsons and very rarely are students asked what is what's something that you absolutely need in a job and one student said i need natural light <laughs> i need natural light that's all she said and so in an interview somebody's already thinking she's got the job like where am i going to find it natural light it really puts they're like she has thought like if she's like if you want my best work right. i can't i can't be in the back of the room with a neon light so that just shows that like she's so on her game uh, on it like ready to go it it makes perfect sense so there was there was that another student that we really enjoyed that was a student athlete at an Ivy League school and said you know I need I really want to work in fashion and I've only worked in sports and I need to make this transition so I said you know if there was one word to describe you if you were in a room full of people and she said that I'm accountable. And I said, that's a word that's transferable. Yeah. So if you take that into a team where that's a word then that moves around, nothing is stationary. You know, you can move around with these things. So confidence is, is a big part of it. And it's, this is a big part of a building that. And I always want those students who are somehow afraid. I'm like, you can show yourself in a bikini with like no clothes on, on social media, but you think showing off is if you say that you're good at like something just, I like just a small thing. I don't care if you're good at math, but you can't say that you're good at math, but you will have on dental floss and <laughs> it's all good. So it just is when you say about context that, you know, really makes it. And I don't know, I was fortunate in the sense that I, I've been confident since I've been young and how that happened. I don't know. Some like the, the birth fairy said, we're going to give her a little bit of extra of that just because I was, I know about being more outgoing and more extroverted, but I'm also way introverted. You could ask any of my friends. I rather stay. I like to study. I mean, I'm, I study more. Obviously I didn't go to school very much. I like to study even more. I like to read. I like to think Sundays are important times for me for that as we're getting ready for all the work that we're doing on the client space. So confidence, if I can get kids even think about their catnip, and have conversations, ask friends, ask their parents, start thinking about that. And we also challenge brands about what is it? It comes down to very few words. It's not a 60 pound deck. It comes down to a few words. When somebody says to me, why well, I should buy one jean over another, go to one movie over another, make one choice for a vitamin over another. It's not three hours of conversation. It's, it's like, it gets right to it. So what is your right to it? And that's what we also help people with. But on the, it's really important that we leave you about with, about the media training side. So it's media communications, public speaking training. I think that there's a lot of fallacy around all that fear of speaking. You would find from the people that we work with, there's not so much of a fear of, of speaking. It's a fear of judgment. It's not so much a fear of so it goes again inside. And then what we do is we ground people in whatever it is, whether it be their brand or their message or themselves. 
whatever insecurities. I mean, we've worked with, you know, we've gotten people ready for the Oscars and the BAFTAs and for Congress and for, I mean, every major to receive an award in any way, speaking on women's summits, all kinds of things. And there's somebody usually externally or even internally that comes up with this, all these talking points and this sheet that they have to go off over and it's sheet after sheet after sheet. And we put the sheet away. Like what's, what's going on here? What do you really want to do? What do you want to leave people with? You know, people always say, well, are you going to write my speech? No, you're going to write your speech. And then I'm going to see what that speech looks like. And then we're going to go in and figure out like, where's your heart in all this? You know, what's happening here? People do want to communicate. They want to communicate well more than ever. And so I really want to dispel all this anxiety around public speaking because ordering dinner is public speaking. You're just public speaking. Every time that you go into a restaurant, you've public spoke. Even if you order coffee, if you're at Starbucks and you give your order, you just spoke publicly. So I want to really dispel that. That's not, that's not just what we're about, all this kind of fallacy around that. It's much deeper. And we really want to see what's what makes sense and what doesn't make sense. Because we're like the we go in and get the gold nuggets. So we're excavators and we figure out like, what are we going to keep in there? What are we going to shine up? And that's basically the way it works. And I love that work with my, I was destined to do it. That's also why I told you different things about the earlier parts of my life so that you could see that I was already independent doing my own thing, then working, consulting with brands from a young age, doing a lot of public speaking, being on television. I was building this up for a long time. And then all the consulting work, and I love the one-on-one piece and really understanding people and guiding them through this process and being trusted to do it. Is there a joy? If you had to pick just one, what would the one be? One client or one joy? Just the one project, the one perfect. Like if I could do this the rest of my life, would it be? Catnip? Would it be something else? Oh, catnip is my, that's my passion project. That's not, that's, I mean, would I love to do that until I die a hundred percent? I will be speaking to any student who will listen to me. You know, even if I find you working, there was a woman working at Panera and you know, when you go in the back to wait for your order to take it out and she was the manager and I was just watching her and I was like, you have it. You really know what you're doing. And so when it quieted down and there was no one around and I'm still waiting, I said, so what's next? You know, what are you going to do with all this? She said, I don't know. I mean, I'm a single mom of a three-year-old. What am I going to do? I'm just going to do this. And I said, no, you're not. You've got, you've got other things in there. You've got more things. I want you to start thinking about these things. I have vision for people. I, I can see them in other places. So what is it that, no, I love what we do and this, you know, I've been in the same building for a long time and there's an attorney at the top of the first office and there are stairs because in my little village, they didn't build elevators until you went over four floors and we're only two floors. And he'll say, here she comes as I run up the stairs. I've been running up the stairs for 28 years (laughs) and I run up here. We, it's like a box of chocolate. I don't know who we're going to get as a client every day, whoever we've been referred to. And as I said, the range is people in the art world. It can be a sex therapist. It can be, oh my gosh, the list is just, I I think sometimes about who we've really had the privilege and pleasure to work with all these years. And I, I could, can you do this until the end, Bunk? We're going to do this until the end. We're going to keep going. We really love this work. Sister is right there off screen. Hi, Bunk. Nice to meet you. (laughs) I, I will say this. I, I will say this, you know, you're so good at what you do. Thank you. And, and I wish we had more time. The I've got one last question I'd love to ask. You know, when you do what you do and you're prepared and it's clear you are, you know, your ideas become your client's stories, right? And then it becomes their story that we know, which becomes part of history and then it becomes a legacy. So. What's your legacy? What are you hoping your legacy is for all of the, from all of this? Oh, wow. 
And I fully get, by the way, that that's an unfair question to someone that truly gives a shit about service. But if you had to step back and go, you know what, what I want to be remembered for or known for in the space is X. I'm really kind. I'm honest. And I'm, I'm really honest. And sometimes that's a lot to take because I'm the level of client that we're working with. I don't have forever to dance around and make nice. And I mean, I've done all my homework before we walk in. I know your weak points. And then, and I get to it pretty quickly because the faster I get to it, the more we can get working on it. And so I'm honest and it can come across sometimes, you know, I always let them know that I can move quickly because it's to their benefit. If I was doing this for an athlete and we do have, how did I forget the athletes? We have great athletes. We have goats. We have goat athletes as clients. I, we have to, I, they're not going to dance around somebody who's already a master. The best always want to be better. And so since I am honest and I can be, it's not that I'm so direct, but they trust me and I come to them, but I'm always kind. And I would want that to be in terms of legacy. I would say that I was, I really believed in people and looked out for people and supported people. I'm a cancer. I mean, this is, this is who I am. This is Bunk's writing me a note. Let me just see. Bunk said revealing the best in people. Love you, Bunk. Well, Bunk clearly is good at that too, right? I mean, Bunk is throwing that out there. I love people and and I want them, I want them to succeed. And that's what we're, that's what we do. Hey, this a, a good way to end this when you talked about the goats, because really goats isn't just athletes. It's right. All facets of life. And there's a quote I ran into recently that said, winners focus on winning losers focus on winners. And I was like, oh, that is good. And so you, my friend are a winner. Keep going, keep doing, keep being bunk. I hear you. I, I don't see you, but I hear you back there. She's here. Appreciate you too. Keep doing what you're doing. And obviously you and I are going to stay in touch. We, we covered a lot, but it comes down to your point, trust. And then the C's, curiosity, courage, culture, confidence, and context. And oh, how could I forget? Catnip. Catnip. Oh, we added the catnip in your C's. Ryan, what an honor. So we're so pleased. Thank you so much. So glad you asked me. This has been a lot of fun. Oh, you're so good at it. Yeah, again, I, and I want to hire you for me. So we'll have that conversation soon. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Courageous Podcast. If you enjoy the show, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts so more people can find us. See you again next week.